HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is David Tatashore, lead engineer and studio manager of the Heritage Radio Network, and I'm reaching out to ask for your support during our end-of-year fund drive. A contribution in any amount supports our weekly programming and our mission to make the world a more equitable, sustainable, and delicious place. Plus, you'll receive exclusive member benefits like monthly playlists, discounted event tickets, party invitations, and more. So if you like good food and you love good food radio, throw a little dough our way. Make your gift at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Happy holidays from all of us here at Heritage Radio Network. Today's program was brought to you by Bordeaux Wines. Red, white, rosé, there's a reasonably priced wine for everyone and for every occasion. For more information, visit bordeaux.com slash U.S. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I am your host, Joe Campanelli. I'm not hosting In the Drink. Uh, I am uh, making a small amount of wine over in Italy under the uh, name Anona. Uh, you can find Anona at great restaurants such as The Nomad and Charlie Bird, Mark Forjone, Osteria Marini, and really awesome retailers. Uh, you can go to Anona.com, A-N-N-O-N-A.com, uh, and you can find all of the great places you can uh, try Anona. So check it out. Uh, I am uh, excited for today's show. This is actually someone who I have known for... Uh, almost my entire career in wine. Um, a good friend of mine. We have Mary Gorman on the show. She is a master of wine. And uh, she is working with, with our sponsor, actually, uh, Wines of Bordeaux, which is actually really fortuitous for me because uh, she is my friend. And she's going to talk today about Bordeaux wine and uh, wines that we should drink this winter, actually white wines to drink this winter. Um, but we've also been friends for a long time. We've, uh, we've been in the same study group at the uh, WSET and the Master of Wine. Uh, she actually went on to complete that program that I was a uh, dropout of. Um, so she is smarter and more ambitious uh, than I am. Uh, and she also knows a hell of a lot more about Bordeaux, which I really love. So Mary, welcome to In the Drink. It's 
It's uh, great to have you here. Thank you so much, Joe. It's great to be here, and particularly as you're such a great friend as well. And I might add to that, I think uh, Joe went on to do bigger and better things and didn't really need to finish the MW programs. So I think he has had a, has a lot of accomplishments, uh, including his new wine. I can see why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, I want to know more about like how did you get into the Master of Wine program? Like, why was that an ambition of yours, and um, what kept you going through to, to finish it? Because it was, I mean, we we would meet once a week, and it was a lot of work. There was like four or five hours uh, for just for one day of studying for one tasting. I mean, you you've had a very successful career at that point. Your family. What made you want to keep pushing through? Uh, determination. I mean, I, in terms of getting through blood, sweat and tears, and probably one of the most important things was the support of my husband and son, without which I could not have done this. Um, but going back to the beginning, um, a person we both know, Mary Ewing Mulligan, who was the first woman MW in the US, uh, she was my mentor and she was an inspiration and introduced me to a lot of people who were uh, starting to study MW program. And I guess I realized that late stage, this was my destiny. Yeah. And how did you uh, get involved with Bordeaux? Um, I've always loved Bordeaux and I've traveled there many times when I was studying. Um, And then about two and a half years ago, um, I was contacted because of this opportunity to sort of work with them to try and to make Bordeaux relevant again, if that makes sense to uh, our listeners, but uh, to make the sort of affordable, more accessible wines more relevant to, to young wine drinkers. And um, I just jumped at the opportunity because it was a way to combine being a master of wine, but also my sort of 17 years in my prior life uh, in international business and, and marketing. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like a, a good sort of um, combination of the two. Yeah, I mean, what have other masters of wine that you studied with, what what is everyone kind of doing? I mean, I, I was thinking about, I was describing to my girlfriend Alyssa this morning, and she was like, wait, so is master of wine like a precursor to master sommelier? Is it after it? Which one? I was like, no, it's it's different. She's like, well, why'd you do that if you're in the restaurant industry? I think most people don't really understand what the master of wine is and how it works and who the people are. Yeah, in that sense, it's more diverse uh, in terms of the people who who join the program. I often sort of describe it's like having a PhD in in wine, and then it's up to you what you actually do with it. What you could end up. Uh, many people are, are winemakers, mm-hmm. uh, so they make wine. Either um, they have a, a, their own property, or they do custom crush, or they're winemakers for some, particularly in Europe, some large supermarket groups. So you can go down the winemaking route, viticultural route. Um, a lot of people are involved in education uh, because one of the core um, missions of the Institute is communication and and, and learning. Um, And you have people involved in a lot of business areas as well. So it kind of covers all of the, I guess, not service, but everything, viticulture, winemaking, education um, and And business, business which you have that that big background with. And uh, so you got involved with uh, the wines of Bordeaux uh, after, though you have to have this like real big 
base knowledge of Bordeaux, I think, especially as a British based uh, institution that Master of Wine is, they they love their Bordeaux there, right? Um, but you're, what I love about what you've been doing is you've really opened my eyes to uh, the fact that Bordeaux can be a wine that you drink every day, that there are small vigneron there, that um, there's, it, it, and there's a place for the expensive, fancy, really age worthy wines. Uh, it's just not what I can afford all the time. So uh, I, I really like what you've been doing with that. Exactly. I'd have to say, you know, even being a master of wine, when I first started working with Bordeaux and went on my sort of first, you know, trip into the wild there, I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know anything about Bordeaux. Um, so and then I thought, well, the way we've been teaching Bordeaux has very much been focused on the classics, on the top classified growth to the top 3%. So uh, that really sort of energized me and to realize that there are so many uh, great small vignerons there. And people back here uh, in New York would say to me, Mary, I don't know, Bordeaux is not my sort of philosophy. I like the small kind of grower. And I think, oh my goodness, there are thousands of them. So we've been working really to sort of bring bring these people to the fore and highlight the wines and uh, show that you can have Bordeaux every day. Yeah, well, so and you white act- Bordeaux. <laughs> and, yeah, and white Bordeaux. You've actually brought four white Bordeaux with yeah. you today. Uh, and these are, these are uh, Bordeaux that you say are probably good winter Bordeaux. Now, the Bordeaux I remember learning about back in the day were either like really like heavily oaked uh, white Mm -hmm. Bordeaux um, or like really like simple stuff. And uh, these you're telling me before the show, that's it's something in between. It's not quite either. It's not like that. Uh, No, I really feel that so many of the textbooks need to be rewritten and that Bordeaux suffers a little bit from polarization. And with the dry whites, um, the general perception is that they're either the heavily oaked barrel fermented wines from the area called Pesac Lognon, sort of the great whites of Bordeaux, or they're the cheap and cheerful wines from the Entre de Mer or labeled simply AOC Bordeaux that are not oaked. They're uh, Sauvignon Blanc and they're, they're light and simple. Um, and what I tell, you know, when I teach as well now as students, I say, the exciting part is what's in the middle. You know, there's really not just two categories where you have just so many uh, combinations, permutations of uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Semillon, and a grape that I've become to, uh, come to love called Sauvignon Gris, a little Muscadelle, and then often just a little touch of oak or older oak. So you have all of these very different combinations that result then in a huge diversity uh, of these white wines. Right, and that older oak will give it more texture, not the oaky yeah, flavor. Yeah, so you're talking about larger, older oak, so not um, uh, imparting any oaky flavor, but more, as, as uh, Joe said, texture and just really adding to the mouthfeel. Wait, and you, you, you kind of hung me up on Sauvignon Gris. Yeah. What is Sauvignon Gris? I've never heard of that. Well, I used to think it was a little workhorse um, and that your Sauvignon Gris helped make your Sauvignon Blanc go a little further. Um, and I've recently started to uh, taste it and find it in larger percentages in um, in a blend. And I've even, not here yet in the US, but I've even tasted a few varietals Sauvignon Gris. So it is a, uh, related to Sauvignon Blanc. Um, it's not so it, it shares its high acidity. It doesn't have the same aromatic intensity. It's not a neutral variety, but not as intense. Um, it has a little bit more weight uh, and sort of flesh, um, so it gives more body to the wine. And what I like in a blend too, it has a little spicy kick. And mm-hmm. I think once you start to recognise that spicy kick, you can identify a little bit of Sauvignon Gris. Oh. 
Interesting. I would love to yeah. try a varietal Sauvignon Gris. Maybe on your next trip, you could bring Absolutely. one back and taste it with us. On well, the we have one of the wines here today, uh, Les Chambres Godard. Uh, the predominant variety is uh, Sauvignon Gris. I think there's 35% okay. Sauvignon Gris. Should we pour this one out now, or do you want to start with one of your others? Um, well, why not? Okay, great. How much Sauvignon Gris did you say? I, I think I this is uh, 35%. I think it's, it's, it's basically Sauvignon Blanc and uh, sorry, Semillon and Sauvignon Gris. And there's a little bit of the, the sort of, I guess, the um, accessory variety in this blend is actually Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, this property only introduced Sauvignon Blanc in their blend, uh, I'm going to say, three years ago. They used, the third variety used to be Muscadel, which was then destroyed in the, um, the hail of 2013. All of their Muscadel was destroyed. Yeah. So instead, so they, they, they didn't replant the Muscadel, they replanted Sauvignon Blanc. Have you noticed there's been a move away from Muscadel as well? Is that, is that um, decreasing? I would say no. Okay. You know, it's not increasing in percentage, um, but people still, it's very close to their heart, and they, people do like a little bit of Muscadel. There is one wine, and I think I've probably tasted you on it before, that I love. Um, uh, not the easiest name to pronounce, Chateau Chandetraille, a biodynamic producer. And they uh, make their dry white with a third, a third, a third. So they have up to one third Muscadel. Yeah, uh, I love that wine. Yeah. And what's amazing is that it is not floral no. and cloying the way that you might think or yeah. the way that, you know, my ignorance, I would think that it would be. It, it, it is really like a beautiful, just savory, delicious. It's like a wine just showing the, the terroir. Just showing the terroir. Uh, and again, I guess yeah, their yeah. their philosophy really is one that, um, you know, the, the variety is really the conduit of the, the, the terroir from where the wine is made. Okay, so this is the Chateau Le Charme Godard, uh, and this is from Côte de Bordeaux. Can you tell yes. us about what that what Côte de Bordeaux is? Um, there is a collection of sub-regions around Bordeaux that sort of flank the river. Um, and they're called the Côte, meaning the slopes. So they're all sloping down towards the Dordogne River. And they're not all together. Mm-hmm. But this particular one, uh, Franc, Côte de Bordeaux, it's um, quite adjacent to, to Saint-Emilion and mm-hmm. Castillon, another Côte. It's one of the smallest little appellations. Um, and in that, I think that I believe there's only about 19 hectares. So multiply by 2.34 and you get sort of under 60 acres of, uh, of white varieties planted. Wow. Um, and this small little property is one of a few small properties that belongs to the Tiempon family, uh, sort of the... Uh, one of the, I guess, the dynasties of the right bank, but very much uh, farmer type. So this is Nicolas and his son Cyril, who uh, own and operate this little, very small property um, on, in, on the Franco de Bordeaux. Yeah, and this is delicious. I really love this. It's, yeah. uh, it's also quite textured. There's a lot of minerality and it has like a mineral texture to it. There's, it's, it's textured because you have uh, some oak in the fermentation, mm-hmm. but it's not overt. It's not in mm-hmm. your face. Mm-hmm. And you have the semillon. Uh, you have a little bit of lees uh, work as well. So the combination of the, you know, the fatter, more waxy, textural semillon and, and sauvignon gris with a little bit of oak and the lees gives you this lovely, rich, round mouthfeel that you could really have with a lot of winter dishes. Yes, and I, I, I don't see the alcohol here, but what I'm sensing is that it's probably moderate in alcohol. Only, right? Yeah, um, if it's not on it, um, I've, I've, it's usually about 13. About 13, yeah, about and 13%. I love wines like yeah. this that feel 
rounder and fuller exactly. and richer than they are um, because they have either a waxy grape or some leaves. And here stirring. I think you get a little spiciness of the Sauvignon Gris as well. There's a little spicy kick to it. But then have the low alcohol, yeah, and yeah. I think that's I think that's outstanding. Okay, let's uh, you know what? Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to taste the other uh, the other three whites that you brought. Oh, it's going to be fun uh, right after this. Bordeaux is one of the most reputable and well-known wine regions in the world. While many are familiar with its legendary first growths, there is so much more to discover. Bordeaux offers a dynamic and diverse range of wines, different styles, different colors, and different price points. Did you know that Bordeaux produces crisp, refreshing whites? Or that many of its outstanding reds can be opened now and don't need years aging? Or that it's really easy to find a great bottle of Bordeaux for under $20? With such a diverse offering, Bordeaux wines can pair with a huge mix of contemporary foods and cuisines. Bordeaux wines. Red, white, rosé, there's a wine for everyone. For more information, visit bordeaux.com US. We are back on In the Drink uh, here with Mary Gorman, Master of Wine and the uh, Wine Ambassador for uh, for Bordeaux. Uh, and she's a really good friend of mine. We were, we were talking about winter whites. And uh, I was actually just blown away. We were talking about uh, during the break the price of the Le Charme Godard. You said under $20? Yeah, depending on where you buy, probably about $18, uh, $18 $19. Yeah, if that was in Sancerre, I would say double the price. I mean, that's just a what a delicious wine. Um, okay, what should we uh, what should we try next? Okay, I would go to La Dame Blanche uh, next, um, and, and I I picked this one even though this is a hundred percent Sauvignon Blanc. Um, I, I don't think it's your average straight up uh, linear Sauvignon Blanc. Um, it uh, there's a little bit of cold soak before the wine is uh, fermented, again, to add a little bit of structure, and also the wine spent a little bit of time on the lees. Um, it's not oaked, so it is very clean and fresh. Um, and the other interesting thing about it, it comes from the Medoc, which is not known for making white wine, and the fact the in the Medoc area, the appellation does not allow for white wine. So even though this is a, a really nice Medoc wine, it's uh, simply labeled as AOC Bordeaux. Oh, so you get some, some pretty prime uh, terroir here, yeah. but with... Uh, uh, in fact, the, the property that it comes from is a Cru Bourgeois. Uh, property um, and they they call this wine La Dame Blanche because uh, there are five daughters in the family and it's a you know it's the daughter's wine and it's a white wine. Oh, I like it. You know, the other thing we were thinking about is that uh, in the winter, this is the time at least over here in the Northeast when our shellfish is really like the finest that it is. And this this seems like this would be a pretty good shellfish. Absolutely, I um, think we were, we were saying earlier. Uh, I always grew up. Um, with the sort of uh, idea that you only sort of eat oysters and a lot of shellfish when there's an ore in the month. So, you know, again, you know, winter, uh, winter foods. 
Yeah. I think even with the, with mussels, oh. a moule marinier, this would be gorgeous as well. Do you still keep to that? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing better than like some just like ice cold oysters yeah. and, a, you know, pounding a bottle of wine in the middle of the summer, even though it's like not the best time for it. It's just so refreshing. And, and speaking of, of, of that, if, uh, you know, if any um, listeners ever get the chance to go to Bordeaux, there mm. is nothing nicer than going into that middle sort of, I say, okay, the great unwashed area of the Entre de Mer, picking up a few bottles of, um, you know, just simple dry white Bordeaux, maybe find a winemaker or two and head out to the coast and visit an oyster farm. Uh, fantastic experience. Bordeaux oysters are great. Absolutely fantastic, yeah. What? Out by, I mean, and people don't yeah. necessarily think of the coastline and the Bay of Arcachon. Yeah. Um, so many oyster farmers. And can, you can fly right into Bordeaux City, right? Is there an airport there? Yes, there is, yes, yeah. Not yet direct from New York, so right. you have to pass either through Paris or Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah, but you can. Or maybe Germany. It seems like everywhere flies through Germany. Like you can go through Berlin hubs, and go. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. the biggest, I don't know why, I've been to more airports in mm. Germany than, than places. Uh, well, that is that is delicious. And that, I mean, that makes sense to, to drink like this crisp kind of fun white wine in the in the winter with yeah and i think also that i guess when we think of you know winter of old was more about sort of i don't think our our homes or our restaurants we went out were maybe not as insulated but um you know certainly in a uh, you know sort of an overheated new york apartment um you sort of we reach for a fresh crisp wine more often than a big sort of uh, heavy winter wine yeah. But also with, you know, pasta dishes, uh, with seafood. And I think in the winter, we still continue to eat lots of seafood. We still do. Yeah. yeah. And lots of, and hopefully for me, lots of pasta because, yeah. uh, that's the business that yeah. I, that I've built on. I just think, you know, any pasta, pasta dish that yeah. just doesn't have a heavy red sauce, uh, like mm-hmm. a, a carbonara or clams or linguine with, um, jumbo lump crab, which I often make and with, with a dry Bordeaux. Yeah. Uh, really lovely. Um, okay, so we're moving on to the Chateau de Saron, uh, white grave. This is a, a grave, and um, again, it's, it's one of the sort of the little hidden gems in grave mm-hmm. um, because the there is a, a a classification, and there's great chateau in in, in grave, um, but all of them belong to that smaller appellation Pesaglonion. Mm-hmm. So the smaller properties that are in the larger grave area often are you know the less well known. And this is a, a property that um, I've visited a number of times, owned by a, a, a couple, uh, Caroline and Xavier Perromain. And I've always said that their, their wines are as elegant as they are. They're very, very kind of quiet, very elegant, very uh, beautiful people and have this lovely small little chateau in the tiny village of, of Serron. And Serron is a teeny-weeny little appellation that's embedded in the area of Grave. And it's it's an appellation for sweet wine. So if you make a white wine, a dry wine, you can call it grave. But if you make a sweet wine, it's like Sauternes, it has its own appellation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Is there some Muscadel in this one? Uh, no, I think no. I think it's Sauvignon. No. Let me just check. I should know that off, off by heart. But there's a little bit of there's Sauvignon Blanc. It's uh, Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon are the dominant. Um, mm-hmm. And then a little bit of Sauvignon Gris. And it's just hinting there's a, there's a little bit of floral and uh, uh, but as you said not not cloying not over the top really pretty though no and there's a, and the on this is a little bit of older oak mm-hmm. on the semillon um, so it's not uh, purely just 
crisp, fresh, uh, linear wine. It has all of those little textural elements. And I think the Semillon here, as well as the little bit of, of, of oak, uh, really adds that extra richness and texture. Mm-hmm. But it's still driven by that very the vibrancy as well. So it's a... Yeah, and again, what I like about this, a low alcohol, 12.5% alcohol, but really has a lot of roundness and some texture. Maybe not as much as the Godard, which really had like an intense mineral texture to it, but just that kind of roundness that makes it feel riper than it is. But since it's uh, so low alcohol, you can drink a lot of this and still feel okay. You can. <laughs> and I think um, here, because you have a little bit more Sauvignon Blanc as well, it's a little bit more perky and linear, mm-hmm. whereas in the Champ Godard, you really were talking about a wine almost all uh, Sauvignon, uh, Gris, and Semillon. Okay, so now we're going to finish. You actually brought a really kind of cool aged bottle. Yeah, of this is a, sort of a, a, a classic. Um, and I think, uh, again, to illustrate, this is a, um, a 2011 uh, Clos Floridain, uh, another white, white from Grave. Um, and this is really to show that, uh, you know, dry white uh, Bordeaux wines, particularly you know modestly priced dry white Bordeaux wines, really can age. Mm-hmm. And I think this this wine is really just kind of getting into itself at this stage. Um, you know, I have more more recent vintages of this at home, and I much prefer the 2011. I think it's at, at the moment it's really in a nice place. It's sort of settled into its skin, as the French would say, bien dans son peau. It's it's sort of very relaxed, um, and it has that nice texture and, and, and with uh, an addition, uh, you know, a wine that would go with many winter foods. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a, a pretty youthful wine, so it has a lot of time ahead yeah. of it, but yeah. it's is pretty complex and delicious. And again, texture, that, that's the one thing that I think all of these have in common, like some really great mineral texture. Um, uh, do you, when it comes to uh, vintages of white Bordeaux. Do they have anything in common with red Bordeaux no, vintages? No, no. And okay. I think uh, so often um, the lesser lauded red vintages are superb white vintages. So in in the recent past, 2011 was an absolutely amazing vintage, as was 2012. I would say marginally, for me, 2011 is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. 2010, uh, which was a great red vintage, was a very ripe vintage. So it, the wines were bigger. I didn't think they had the same elegance as, as 11 and 12. And even poor old 2013, that was completely slammed, uh, was really nice for uh, dry whites. There wasn't okay, much nice. made, um, but it was really nice. Uh, and again, 2014. 2015 is another ripe year. It uh, doesn't quite have the acidity of 11, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, rounder, richer. So I would say, you know, when you hear about the vintage for red wine, it's not necessarily that for the, the white wines. And then if you're thinking about putting down a white wine like this Clos 14, which obviously, you know, already five years old and is it still has quite a bit of life ahead of it, how do you figure out which white Bordeaux are age-worthy? Um, by the, by in, in terms of taste, the wines that have a lot of sort of concentration and, and, and texture and, and acidity, um, but even some of the wines that feel a little bit lighter, you can get at least six or seven years out of those wines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from the, the, I guess, the less opulent vintages. So I think this 2011 will um, stand the test of time longer than some of the uh, dry white 2010s, mm-hmm. which are richer, riper, a little bit more alcohol. So as it ages, you, you do taste the alcohol a little more. Yes. Whereas this I mean, this is truly be. like, would be a, just a great bottle yeah. of wine. It has that, that less ripeness, less opulence, but the concentration that you were talking is about yeah. is there as well. So when you can have the combination of those two things, 
moderate alcohol, but lots of fruit concentration and density, complexity. My mouth is watering so much from all the great acidity. Uh, that, that to me, is a world-class bottle of, of white wine. Uh, I really love that. that I, I mean, just to give you a sort of anecdotal story, last, last year I found, I think it was in uh, a wine retailer here in the city, a little bottle of an 08 white from um, Saint-Foy. And it wasn't our friend Jean Détraille. And I thought, wow. So I bought it. And um, I bought two bottles, two bottles there. And I brought them home and I tasted them. And they were absolutely amazing. They had really become very mineral, very saline, uh, oyster shell-like. So I called the store to see if I could buy more. And said, ah, oh, that was just some odd thing that, you know, we sort of inadvertently bought. <laughs> So alas, but I think it just showed that these, even it was a simple wine, I think it was $15. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if you really know your wine, you, know, was, you can probably go into a liquor store somewhere and they would have accidentally bought a good wine. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've definitely like, they might've by accident bought some good wine and like, I've, I've definitely found wine that's worth drinking. It's usually in the bottom but, shelf. But they had the no idea that it was actually a really yeah. great wine. Yeah. But with these wines, I think, uh, you know, as, as we were saying earlier, the prices are so modest that, um, you know, just take a chance and buy them. And yeah. And what, how much is the Floridian? This has Floridian to be, is about $30, yeah. yeah. Oh, $30. Yeah, so it's a little bit more expensive. Um, and if I might just say one more thing about uh, Clos Floridian, it's uh, made by, I guess, the... Uh, the father of the, uh, I guess, the new dry white winemaking in uh, in Bordeaux, Professor Denis Duberdieu, who unfortunately, sadly, passed away this July. Mm-hmm. But this was a property that he and his wife started from scratch, and it's called Floridin because it's their names. Her name, his wife's name is Florence, and his name is Denis. Oh. So they call the property Clou Floridin. That's such a sweet story. Yeah. And luckily, the wine is delicious because otherwise, it'd just be a sweet story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really good, uh, Mary. Thank you so much for coming on in the drink. I really appreciate it. It's always great to see you. You're my old friend. I, I hope we drink lots more Bordeaux together. <laughs> Absolutely. Likewise. Thank you so much. All right, and thank you so much for listening. I want to thank our producer David Tadashore and uh, Aaron Fairbanks and everyone at Heritage Radio Network. And thanks so much to uh, our sponsor, Wines of Bordeaux, for setting this up. Uh, we we really love working with you. Um, and thanks for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.